Oh, to be able to think about the gospel more the way that the Apostle Paul did. You see, he couldn't think about the gospel without thinking about Jesus. But God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. Galatians 6, 14 through 17. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus and Him crucified. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 2. He would write elsewhere, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1, 21. Get the picture. Because to Paul... There's no such thing as Christless Christianity. There's no such thing as Christless Christianity. One gets the impression sometimes from some brethren who are well-intentioned that so much depends on us that we can pretty well leave Jesus or leave God out of the equation and handle things. But nothing could be farther from the truth. When we consider Paul's view of the gospel and what our view of the gospel needs to be, Christless Christianity would be a treasure chest without any treasure. Christless Christianity would be a frame with no portrait. Christless Christianity would be a body without a spirit. As the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also is faith without works, so also is Christianity without Christ. In other studies, as we've looked through in just the last couple of weeks, the gospel in the Gospels, and the Gospel in the book of Acts, you're going to see a lot in common with the Gospel in Paul's letters that we'll be dealing with this morning. Remember now some ground rules. Whenever the Bible says someone or something saves... More may be involved elsewhere in the New Testament, but never less. When God says someone or something saves, more may be involved elsewhere in the Scripture, but never less. And think about this ground rule. Because the Bible is God's Word, it is harmonious. Its message is clear. God certainly has spoke clearly concerning the matter of salvation. And if He hasn't, one wonders if we can count on God to speak clearly about anything. As a matter of fact, when we look at Paul, Paul, for being the great intellect he is, is really good at also keeping things simple. How like Jesus, I think of Jesus and His depth. 
I think of Jesus and his depth as a teacher, and yet the common people heard him gladly. Isn't that what the Bible says about him? And children would often want to run up to Jesus and be around him because they loved him so, and he loved them. Just think about your hand, because this morning's lesson consists of five prepositions about Jesus. Five prepositions. You know, prepositions are little bitty words. Little bitty words. Big doors swing on small hinges. I know these guys that are trying to keep up with me have run out of camera space as I've run over here. Both of them are looking. What did Mike just do? Well, big doors swing on small hinges and great truths swing on really small, simple words in the Bible. Here's what I want you to think about with me. These five expressions, through, on, in, under, and with. And I'm looking at Steve Taylor over here, and he's looking like, what in the world? Through, on, in, under, and with. Now after each preposition, through, on, in, under, and with, put Christ, through Christ, on Christ, in Christ, under Christ, with Christ. That pretty well summarizes Paul's view of the good news of the gospel. Let's look at the first, through Christ. We can go back to the book of John, and we can hear Jesus himself in John 14, 6, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We can consider the words of Peter in the book of Acts. There is no salvation in any other. There is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4 and verse 12. But I'd like for you to realize that all the things we've been studying about in the gospel accounts in the book of Acts are really given an emphasis concerning Jesus in the letters, the letters of Paul. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Romans. The book of Romans. Turn to chapter 3 and notice verse 24. Through Christ, our mediator. You know, people don't always like mediators. I guess we like a mediator when we really need one. But most of the time we ask ourselves, why do I need a mediator? There's a very well-known quarterback in the NFL that is his own agent. And he has been offered $32.4 million a season to stay with the team that he's currently with. But given the market for quarterbacks... That's probably low for what this guy has accomplished. $32.4 million is low. Sign me up. 
Well, he's being his own agent. But teams are not contacting him. Even though he's won the league's most valuable player. Hmm. You look here at Romans 3.24. It says we have redemption through Christ Jesus. Circle that word. That's a salvation word, isn't it? If Jesus doesn't mediate redemption and salvation, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Go down just a few verses to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. It is through faith in Jesus that we have peace with God. That is another salvation type word. Not strife, not enmity, not separation that's been mentioned several times. But we have peace with God. The absence of hostility. No conflict. Not with God. Go down to Romans chapter 5 and notice verses 9 and 10. It is through Jesus... That though we were deserving of God's wrath, and though we were enemies, verse 11, we have received through Him, Jesus, reconciliation. Redemption, peace, and reconciliation, just in a few verses. We can walk hand in hand with God because of Jesus. Now, if you would, go with me to 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and the verse 6, For through Him were all things created. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. And through Him they all exist. Look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. God gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. God gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Just a couple of more passages. We need a good mediator, and we couldn't ask for a better one than Jesus. There is one mediator between God and man, Himself, the man, Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Timothy 2.5 Two more passages to think about from the Word of God. The first one, 2 Timothy 1.10 Through Christ our mediator... The Christ, our mediator. Think about the blessings and the hope and the assurance and the love that are all possible through Christ, our mediator. 2 Timothy 1.10 It is through Christ Jesus that death has been abolished 
and life and immortality have been brought to light. Oh, what a Savior. One more passage. Think about this. Our mediator. 2 Timothy 3, 15. That from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All of the benefits... All of the blessings of being made right with God are possible through and only through Christ. Therefore, Paul's thinking about the gospel is thinking we ought to share. Christless Christianity is like a treasure chest without the treasure, it's like a frame without the portrait. It is like a body without the spirit. It's dead. Secondly, were you listening? Since I mentioned it twice, what's the second preposition going to be? Little word that has a big thought on. On Christ, our foundation. On Christ, our foundation. One of the older hymns we sometimes still sing is, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. In Psalm chapter 11, the psalmist asked the question, If the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Jesus said, Upon this rock, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 16 through 18. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, Ephesians 2 and verse 20. Ephesians 2 verse 20. Other foundation can no man lay other than that which has been laid, even Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11. And if I could, after that first preposition, through Christ, our mediator, do you see that all is hopeless with you apart from Jesus? Do you see that? That all is hopeless with you apart from Jesus? Correspondingly, because of Jesus, we have hope and life. Continue, if you would, thinking about this with me. On Christ, our foundation. I wonder how many people build their lives on money, on their jobs, on their talents, but in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Jesus said, Whoever hears these teachings of mine and does them, or whoever hears these teachings of mine and does them not, the one who does them is like a wise man who builds his house. 
And the one who is foolish is like a foolish man who also builds his house. But in each case, the storm comes. And when the storm comes upon the house of the wise builder, it stays firm and solid because it was built on the proper foundation. And as our young people often sing, the foolish man's house went crash. And then we are exhorted to build our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessings will come down. Some things remain true no matter how old we are. Some of the truths from Pew Packers in Bible class remain ever true. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, Paul would write, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are trusting in His power and His name to do for us what we cannot do solely on our own. Here is the fact of the matter. And the book of Isaiah says a lot about foundation. In Isaiah 28 and verse 16, there's a prophecy given of a cornerstone. That's Isaiah 28, 16. Well, in Isaiah 8, verses 14 and 15, there is a prophecy given of a stumbling stone. And ironically, both passages would find their New Testament fulfillment in Jesus because He will either be the foundation and cornerstone of all your life and of all your hopes, or He'll be a stumbling stone to you. And that brings me to the question, is the Lord often something that you have to work around in your life or someone in His will, something you have to work around? Or is Jesus and His will the foundation of everything you are? Preposition number three. We've looked at on Christ our foundation. We've looked at through Christ our mediator. In Christ. In Christ our life. This is one of the most commonly used expressions in Paul's letters. Bible students, people who have computers and have lined things up and looked at phrases, tell me that just this expression, in Christ, is found in Paul's letters, 13 of them, 164 times. 164 times. There's a wow factor there. Because it's the only way that Paul could think of salvation, could think of the gospel. He thinks of it as being in Christ. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5.17. 
2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have been done away. The old man has been done away. Behold, all things have become new. That's how Paul views being in Christ. For you note takers or people who just like to commit things to memory, in Christ means new life. New blessings and a new family. New life, new blessings, and a new family. What does it really mean to be in Christ? New life. That old me's gone, dead and buried. New blessings, being in Christ. Turn to Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. They're located. Life is located in Christ. Blessings are located in Christ. The new family is found in Christ. Galatians 3, 28. Verses 26 and 27 of Galatians 3 were read by writer just a few moments ago as our scripture reading. But verse 28 talks about people from various backgrounds all being made one in Christ. Remember Jesus' prayer, John 17, 20 and 21 that they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us, in Christ. Let me ask you this question as I bring this particular preposition to a close in the study. In Christ... What is there outside of Christ that you tend to find more precious than what's in Christ? What's outside of Christ that you tend to find as more precious than what's in Christ? And then let me ask you this. Which of the blessings that we enjoy in Christ may be blessings that you're most tempted to make an idol out of? Which blessings are the ones you're most tempted to make an idol out of? Pretty thoughtful questions. No man can serve two masters. Matthew 6, 24. In Christ our life. Now stop for a second before we leave this point and turn to Romans chapter 6 with me. Romans chapter 6. Today's lesson is remarkably simple. Look, if you will, at verses 3 through 5. I'll pick up with verse 1, however. 
What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound in sin? That's possible. To continue in sin. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized in His death, into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death. Look at the next expression. In order that, or just as, Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk market in newness of life. Apart from baptism in Jesus, there has not been a death and a resurrection as were true of Jesus. And apart from baptism into Christ... There has not been a raising to walk in newness of life. Fourth passage. Under Christ our Lord. Under Christ our Lord. The Bible says in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 19-23, He has put all things under His feet. All things under the earth will bow before Jesus on the last day. Philippians 2, 9-11. Under Christ, our Lord. Just as people sometimes have a problem with mediators, so also sometimes people have a problem with Lord and Lords. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. If God's Word is God's Word, go back to Romans 6 for just a moment. In Romans 6, 16 and 17, it says, Whoever you obey, that is whose servant you are, whether God or sin. Whoever you obey, that's whose servant, whose slave you are. Have you ever stopped to think? Paul is who we're talking about and what he had to say about Jesus and the gospel. And Carl, it's Paul a servant. The early church had no problem thinking of themselves as servants because they in the early church properly emphasized the lordship of Christ. I'll guarantee you many churches today consist of people who just want to be served rather than serve the Lord together. And God forgive us when that's what the church comes to. It's true we can help each other and encourage one another, but it is the Lord who we are to be serving He is the Lord and we are under Him. 1 Corinthians 9.21 You are under law to Christ. What that means is He's the boss and we're not. What it means is He's the king and we're not. He 
He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, Matthew 28, 18. Don't you imagine that's still true as he's at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven? Here's a question to consider. What area of my life do I sometimes find it the hardest to honor the Lord? What part of my life do I sometimes find it really hard to honor God's Lordship? Maybe it's our speech. Maybe it's our eyes. Maybe it's our temper. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's pride. What area do you need to think more about bringing under His Lordship? And I love this last one. What's it supposed to be? Through Christ, on Christ, in Christ. What? Under Christ, this one will be with Christ. Today, Jesus said to a dying thief, you shall be with me in paradise. Luke 23, 43. The same Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, to his followers. Matthew 28, 20. The Apostle Paul, since that's who we are studying about and what he says about Jesus in the gospel, to depart and be with Christ is very far better. Philippians 1.23 So shall we ever be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 I guess a couple of months back or more now, Adam preached on Colossians 3. Look at Colossians 3 and just... Before we get into chapter 3, notice Colossians 2. With, 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 with. In Colossians 2 and verse 20, it talks about you died with Christ to the world. Colossians 2.20. Colossians 3.1. You were raised with Christ. Water baptism. Colossians 2.12. Keep going with me though. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, Colossians 3.3. 3. And then look at verse 4. When He appears, we will be with Him. We can be with Him. With Christ 
our joy. His name was Tillet S. Tedley, and many of you are familiar with the name. He was a member of the Lord's Church, and many of the songs that we sing in our songbook were written by him. Earth holds no treasures but perish with using, however precious they be. Yet there's a country to which I am going, heaven holds all to me. Why? We'll be with the Father and with the Son and the Holy Spirit. We will be with the saved and the delivered of all the ages. We will be with the holy angels. I want you to know that, I, that glory will be beautiful. I don't have the words to begin to describe how beautiful eternity will be with God. But the most beautiful part of eternity with God is that eternity is with God. It's not so much about a golden street or a pearly gate. It's about being home with God. And so while the terms are simple that we've studied today, the concepts behind them are rich. This is why Paul, every time he thought about preaching, every time he thought about serving, every time he made a sacrifice, every time he did anything he did as a Christian, he can't get away from Christ who knows what sacrifice really is and what service really is and what love really is and what salvation really is. The invitation has been given yet again in this sermon. And if you need to respond in faith and repentance and love and baptism to our Lord and Savior, there's no better time than now. And for those of us who are Christians, I encourage you to think about what we've discussed today. We think about our mediator. We think about our foundation. We think about our life giver, Jesus. We think about our Lord. And we think about the one with whom we'll be forever. That will be great. Let us stand and sing.